Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. Hi, everybody. I'm Katherine Pierce, and I'm the Poet Laureate for the State of Mississippi. Welcome to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, a podcast where poetry comes alive for listeners. Across the country and the world, poets are writing right now and creating vibrant, important poems that enlighten, entertain, challenge, and comfort. Some of these incredible poets have roots and connections right here in Mississippi. Each episode of the Mississippi Poetry Podcast will feature a different poet with Mississippi connections. We'll hear a poem, learn about how it was written, and chat a bit about poetry and beyond. I'm very excited to have January Gill O'Neill on the podcast today. January Gill O'Neill is the author of Glitter Road, Rewilding, Misery Islands, and Underlife, all published by Cavan Carey Press. She is an associate professor at Salem State University. From 2012 to 2018, she served as the executive director of the Massachusetts Poetry Festival, the recipient of fellowships from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, Cave Canem, and the Barbara Deming Memorial Fund. O'Neill was the 2019-2020 John and Renee Grisham Writer-in-Residence at the University of Mississippi, Oxford. Jan, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for taking the time to talk about poems with me today. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here, Kathy. Excited to have you. All right. So we're going to start with a non-poetry question, like I always like to do. What is your favorite month of the year, and why is it your favorite month? Well, the obvious answer might be January. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, My birthday is Valentine's Day, so I'm partial to February. But honestly, I like summer. So I would have to say maybe August, you know, it's just hot. And I live in New England uh, most of the year. So, um, you know, it doesn't get as hot as other parts of the country, but I love summer. I I don't want to have to wear a coat again. I don't know why I'm in New England with all the snow, but here <laughs> I am. So, yeah, no, I get that. There is something to be said for the the super hot summer. You can always just come back down to Mississippi whenever you're really wanting the heat. So, you know, well, that is certainly true. I do not mind that. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're going to be sharing a poem today from your new book, Glitter Road, which is going to be out in February 2024 and is in part about Mississippi and your time living here. So what are you going to be reading for us from that book today? And could you kind of set it up a little bit and then go ahead and, and read it for us? Sure. I'm going to read uh, a poem called Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market. And the poem is based off of um, the location, the the place where Emmett Till, who was a 14-year-old boy who was beaten, uh, killed, thrown into the Tallahatchie um, because allegedly he had whistled at a white woman. And so when I was down in 2019, I visited uh, the area. I went to Money, Mississippi. I visited some of the uh, landmarks uh, related to that story. And I went to Bryant's Grocery. And it's a dilapidated, crumbling building. And, you know, for such an important site, um, you know, it's a shame to see it fall apart without any care. You almost want either, you know, moved or restored or knocked down, but it, 
you know, the fact that it's just standing um, without any care um, is part of its story and part of the Emmett Till story and who gets memorialized, what gets memorialized and what doesn't. And so, you know, if I were going to do a project, a real project, I probably would photograph every day of that building until it actually fell. But um, if it does fall, then, you know, this poem and others like it will have to stand in its place. Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market, Money, Mississippi, 2019. You could drive past and miss this place. Ghost empty, roofless, its half walls tentacled by green vines, foundation fenced in by orange safety netting, untouched for decades. And I think to myself, this is the place. This is where Emma Till whistled at slurred it with, touched a white woman, allegedly. If these half-walls could talk, what half-truths would they tell? The family of a juror from Till's murder trial owns this ruin, unwilling to sell or restore the time-worn remains, the red letters of a private property sign, barely visible. Now weeds grow where the porch used to be, Shimmer of sunlight turns the window into a mirror. What's left crumbles under the weight of neglect, the Delta's way of forgetting its living history. I stand at a threshold I can never cross. What's left stays with me, unearthed. Thank you so much. Could you talk a little bit about the writing of that poem? Just tell us something about the the process for Mm -hmm. that. I recognize that this is a poem of place. And what I mean by that is that the location is as much a part of the story as in a character in the poem as the speaker. And it's really important to get the details right. And we can write poems, you know, based on what we imagine, but there's so much more that uh, being in the location can add to the poem. And so, you know, it was, it was interesting going down to Money, Mississippi and standing on that ground. And, you know, I, I can't explain it. Maybe it's like, it's not quite a hum, but there is something on these spots, these memorial spots that just harkens back to the past. And when you walk around the building, you know, there's there are no walls, really. There are some, you know, structures that used to be walls. There's overgrowth. The building, the area around the building has rewilded. And so, you know, I, I don't think I walked around with a notebook jotting down details, but I'm pretty sure once I got back home, you know, I, I wrote some notes. And that's typically what I do. And I didn't write the poem right then. It took a few months after to sort of process but, you know, just remembering details. And I think I actually went to that site twice. You know, I had gone, um, uh, looked around, looked over the area, and then felt like I needed to come back a second time. And so and to understand the history, to do my own research, to talk to people, uh, and, you know, to just sort of see how the words fit together over time. Yeah. And I think that's such a 
an important consideration to keep in mind when we sit down to write a poem is that sometimes poems don't come right away. They don't come right after the experience or right after the, you know, the moment or the subject matter of the poem. Um, Sometimes they come much later because like you said, we have to process, we have to sit there and kind of Mm -hmm. let these ideas germinate and figure out what it is that we want to say about them. And so I think that's a really important point. It's something that could be really useful for listeners maybe to to take into account when they sit down to write a poem that sometimes, yeah, it's not going to come right away. It can't. It's got to take some time to grow and for for us to kind of process what it is that we really do want to say about Mm this. Could you um, share a little bit of advice that you have for either poets who are starting out or maybe for people who have been writing for a while but want to try something new or to kind of dive deeper into their practice as poets? I like writing about locations. So I try to do that whenever I travel. And since I was in Mississippi for, you know, a good period of time, an academic year, you know, I wasn't quite um, a tourist, but I wasn't, I felt more like a traveler. Um and so it was really important for me to become part of the the, the environment, just to, to be a part of, of, of what was happening in the state and, you know, connect. Um, so as a writer, you know, I, my first impulse might not be to sit down and write this poem. But I also think that, you know, if I did do a journal entry, and I'd actually have to go back to see if I did, um, beyond just sort of like details about the day. Um, I don't have to, that doesn't have to be the only moment I sit down to write. And, you know, I, I always recommend that, you know, poets, younger writers, newer writers, emerging writers, you know, you can always look at a subject more than once. So this may not be the only time uh, I write about this location. You know, the Emmett Till story is with me and I'm looking to write more about it. So, all of this feeds into my knowledge, but my uh, perception changes as I get older and have other experiences. So, you know how I feel about Bryant uh, Bryant um, how I feel about Bryant's grocery uh, may shift over time, and so I'm I'm happy to write another poem down the road to see if I get a different angle, different perspective. Um, if the building ever falls, if the building, <laughs> you know, if, if it's uh, picked up by an organization and moved and, and put into a museum, I mean, that gives me another place to go. So I think I would say that you can write about a subject as many times as you would like. Uh, the one time you do it may be the, 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 the first entry into whatever else needs to be written. And so you, you can always write about a topic from different angles. So I would say if the poem is not quite where you want it to be, that's fine. You can always, you know, try it a different day, a different week from a different perspective, changing the the voice, changing the style. There are a number of things that you can do to to try to make uh, the poem uh, be in the place that you need it to be. Yeah, and I think that's so comforting in a way um, and kind of liberating to know that, you know, we don't have just one shot at this, at this subject matter or, you know, at this, even at this poem that you can go back and revise and do it again, or you can let that poem stand and write 10 more that, you know, address the same subject matter coming from different entry points and angles. And 
that's such a, it's such a rich part of what we can do as poets. And it's, I, I really like knowing that we have that freedom because I think it does take a lot of pressure off. Um, the the poem that you write doesn't have to be the one thing you say on this subject. You can, you can say more and you can continue to develop your ideas and, and evolve as a poet with regard to the subject. So yeah, thank you. I love that. Um, well, one more question for you, which is just where could we find some more of your work if we want to explore some more poems by you? Well, you can always go to my website, which is JanuaryGillOneal.com. Um, and I have a nice selection of poems up at the Academy of American Poets uh, or Poets.org, uh, which is their um, URL. Um, and there are some teaching guides, too, to a few of them. So, um, yeah, that's where I can be found. Perfect. Thank you. And we're going to link to that in the supplement we put out with the podcast. So thank you so much, January Gill O'Neill, for talking with me today about poetry and history and place and August and heat. And thank <laughs> you for sharing your advice. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mississippi Poetry Podcast, where poetry comes alive. 